Have you ever thought about your family and how you are all connected? Maybe about the old traditions that you guys have passed down? Well, so have we. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about kinship and ancestry. I'm Katrina. I'm Emily. And I'm Sarah. And we're the Anthrophiles. So to start this off like we usually do, we need a bit of background on what kinship is and how it came about. So, you know, as the previous two (laughs) episodes, we've talked about um, this sort of white man that has created (laughs) some sort of theory. So Lewis Henry Morgan was an American anthropologist that pioneered in the field. In the early 1840s, he developed a deep interest in indigenous people in America. And he was really interested in their history, their social organization and material culture. So while he made an exhaustive survey of the history, social organization, and material culture of the Haudenosaunee, which we would typically or previously refer to as the Iroquois, but that word has been in the process of phasing out um, because it's not something that is in their language that they created. It was something that white people have basically placed upon them. So when we're talking about the Haudenosaunee, imagine you know what you have previously learned about the Iroquois people so he was adopted by the Seneca tribe which is a part of that um, you know five different tribes that are part of the Haudenosaunee in 1856 and then 10 years later he got into how the Seneca Seneca designate relatives because he realized it was much different than how Americans do so basically as he got more involved in them as he was adopted, it took about 10 years for him to be like, wow, okay, this is, you know, a lot different than how we sort of organize and designate our family members. So this led him to the realization that the Senecas have virtually identical family designations to a tribe from northern Michigan, and that started him on his journey of figuring out what terms other cultures used. And his results were published in his book, Systems of Con, okay. systems of consanguinity and affinity of the human family in 1871. It's a tough word. So it was pretty much the first work of modern anthropological studies of kinship systems as the basic organizing principle in most pre-industrial societies. So what is kinship? It's basically how you're related to people. It's a web of social relationships, which is you know, obviously a very big part of social human life. You know, some people designate kinship as by blood, and but it's not necessarily by blood. Um, and you can trace your kinship through one parent, which is called unilateral descent. And the two types are, I want you guys to guess. Oh, no. Two types of kinship you can trace through. Would it be like matriarchal and patriarchal? Yeah. Oh, so that makes sense. <laughs> it, uh, so unilateral descent is tracing from one parent. So the two types would be patrilineal and matrilineal. Um, so dad and mom. And can you guys guess what sort of society we live in? Patriarchal. Right. So <laughs> or patrilineal. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we live in a more patrilineal society. We usually but not always can trace our last name through our father's side and there are types of relationships you have within your family um consanguineous relationships kinships are relations based on blood 
So for example, the relationship between parents and children, between siblings. Um, so those are basic and pretty much universal consanguineous kinships. Affinal kinships are relationships based on marriage. So the most basic example would be between two partners. We'd usually think of husband and wife, but we know that there's husband and husband, wife and wife, and many other ways people identify themselves in a marriage. Um, so when a person gets married, he or she establishes a relationship not only with his or her spouse, but also the family of the spouse. Therefore, a number of relationships are formed just as the marriage takes place. For example, mother-in-law, father-in-law, sister-in-law, daughter-in-law. You get the point. Primary kin refers to direct relations. There are eight basic primary kinships, husband and wife, mother and daughter, mother and son, father and daughter, father and son, sister, brother, younger elder brothers, younger elder sisters. And the only primary affinal kinship is the relationship between a husband and wife. Does that make sense? I think so. Yes. So it's if primary kinship is direct relation and affinal kinships are based on marriage, the only primary affinal would be between a husband and a wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then there are secondary kin, and that refers to the primary kin of primary kin. So father, sister, mother's mother, wife's father, those are all secondary kin, and then one's in-laws fall under secondary, secondary affinal kinship. So, you know, based on marriage, but also secondary. Then we have tertiary kinship, which refers to primary kin of secondary kin or secondary kin of primary kin. And that's one's grandmother, um, grandmother's mother. This is confusing. (laughs) (laughs) So tertiary kin refers to primary kin of secondary kin or secondary kin of primary kin. For example, it's crazy. (laughs) So, for example, one's grandmother, which is secondary kin, their mother is the prime... I I don't know what I wrote here. This is is completely ridiculous. Either way, this is is an example of consanguineous kinship. An example of tertiary affinal kinship is brother-in-law's wife or mother-in-law's brother. So, obviously, there are very many different ways we can all be connected. Mm-hmm. Um, but have you guys ever heard of kinship systems? No. Okay, so there are six types, and um, they're named after the cultures that were first discovered to exhibit them. So, uh, like we talked about earlier before we were recording, mm-hmm. um, we talked about how just because it may be named a certain name, it doesn't mean that it represents all different types of cultures that fall under Mm -hmm. that specific name. So the six types are Hawaiian, Sudanese, Inuit, Haudenosaunee, Crow, and Omaha. So I'm going to show you guys the diagrams of the six (laughs) and ask you which one that I would assume that we all go by. I'm pretty sure we all go by the same. It's pretty... um, pretty standard for a lot of like white american families to go by this kinship okay it's such hard <laughs> do you need a hint <laughs> it's um <laughs> <no>. <laughs> which one did you say it was so 
the one that we go by is the Haudenosaunee kinship, which is the one that you would call your um, mother, sister, your aunt, your mother's brother, your uncle, and same on your father's side. And then their children would be your cousins. Would you agree? That's what we, yes. all of us go by? Okay. So there's obviously different ways that um, the six the six different kinship systems, they go by, you know, different names. So in the Hawaiian kinship, your all of what we would call our aunts and uncles are father and mother, and their children are sister and brother. So we would call them, you know, cousins, aunts and uncles, but they're considered all mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers. And then the other other ones are all different to you, but it's just a mix of of those. And, you know, I learned a lot about this in my freshman year class of anthropology, and we had to memorize these and draw them oh out. Oh, gosh. It was wild. Hard. Yeah. Um, and if you've ever seen a kinship diagram, they're definitely interesting. They sort of look like family trees. Um, like you guys saw, they're mm-hmm. triangles and circles, and they all have different meanings. Um, I won't get into it all because you can't see them. But usually they start with a triangle called ego, and that would be the base person or, like, you. And then you would trace sort of up and down to create, you know, who your brother or sister are, in quotes, and your mother and father and, you know, the whole thing. So we had to draw those all out, and it was definitely interesting, but it taught me a lot. So I'm glad I could share that with you guys. So what's really so important about kinship and familial relationships? The kinship system maintains unity, harmony, cooperation among relationships. It sets guidelines for communication and interactions among people. In rural areas or in tribal societies, kinship defines the rights and obligations of the family. And marriage is also the system of political power and production. It helps people better understand their relationships with each other. And it builds and develops and helps better relate to one another in society. Do you guys agree with that? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, every sort of different way you can describe why you would consider people your family and what that means is what kinship is based upon. So think about the way you are related to your family and the roles delegated to you. You interact differently with different family members, right? Yes. Right. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. (laughs) So like think about certain traditions like I have one in mind but I want to hear what you guys have to say. Like how you delegate different roles to different members of your family. I mean I feel like for me because I have one brother um And it's, like, that's my, like, built-in best friend almost. Like, you have to be my best friend because you're my (laughs) sibling. Um, So that's just, like, how I think of siblings. But I know that's not true for everybody. Like, some people don't even, like, talk to their siblings or whatnot. Mm -hmm. I know, like, yeah, I'm also really close with my siblings. I'm thinking just, like, in general, like, mother, father are, like, built-in, like, caretakers kind of thing. And then, like, aunts and uncles are kind of, like, like backup caretakers kind of like they're not like my mom and dad but like if I ever needed anything I know I could go to them too or if anything happened right like I don't necessarily talk to my aunts and uncles all the time 
But I'm, like, fairly confident that if I needed anything, like, I could contact them. Right. And, like, so they would help. it makes sense. It would make sense to you guys. Like, like, it makes sense to me that in certain kinship diagrams, you know, your aunts and uncles are your fathers and mothers. Um, and they kind of assume that role as well. Yeah, that totally mm-hmm. makes I never thought of it that way, but I could see how different kinship diagrams would be like, well, your aunt and uncle is just your mom and dad also. Yeah. Yeah, I think it just depends on um, the different circumstances in which your culture is, you know, cultivated and the different roles that, I guess, are created for people. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that there's, like, some variation even within the same kinship model, especially with, um, I guess, the one we fall under with, like, you know, maybe you do think of your aunts and uncles as kind of like your second mom and dads, but then maybe, like, you just like don't where it's like I would never contact them if I ever needed anything or also like it's like oh like my mom's like my aunt and uncle my mom's side like could go to them for anything but my aunt and uncle my dad's side like I would never tell them about this kind of thing yeah like you always have like maybe someone that someone that you're closer with or that one family member that's sort of like the crazy one <laughs> or like, right. like a strange I feel like we can all relate yeah. like yeah. there's that one like crazy aunt or uncle or it's always an uncle or aunt, or aunt isn't it, it? Is that's always, always the crazy one yeah. except for the crazy cousin it's the yeah. crazy uncle so that one cousin where you're like ooh, <laughs> right like it's somebody that's like close to one of your like parents and mm-hmm. you're like well you're like sort of like my mom but like crazier yeah <laughs> like, I'm glad you're not yeah and then I guess and I forget what word you use. I think it started with an, with an A, like where it's like not, or I guess that's through marriage, so it's not the same. But like those people who you've grown up calling yeah. aunt or uncle mm-hmm. and you're like not related to them by blood at all, but maybe you'd go to them before you'd go to like your blood-related mm-hmm. family members. Right. So it's it's really um, circumstantial, I feel like, and different for every family no matter what kinship system you fall under but I was also thinking of like uh the way you treat different relatives differently is like you respect your elders yeah yeah you may be like really like chill with your aunt and uncle um if there's like that one chill aunt or uncle but you would never say those sort of things to one of your grandparents yeah yeah so yeah so have you ever have you guys ever traced your ancestry back? I know a lot of people are into figuring out where they're from and who they're related to. I know I have an aunt who is obsessed with tracing our tracing back our ancestry on my dad's side of the family. And she found out that we have family in Italy still. So we have this Facebook page like under my last name or Facebook group with all of us, which is kind of cool because if I ever go there can hang out with some yeah, yeah. other manzeris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about you guys? Um, I have an uncle who's really into, like, tracing <laughs> genealogy. And so, like, very recently, I feel like it's a thing that happens when people get older and they're like, we must remember. Yes, <laughs> kind so of thing. Um, But, yeah, I think all of my ancestors were just, like, like Irish people that are all here now. <laughs> oh, that's fair. I honestly don't, like, know where there'd be any, like, lingering blanchettes lingering out there. Blanchettes. Yeah, um, I don't think I have any, like, mysterious. Yeah, I mean, I know on my dad's side, um, there's a lot of, like, Canadian French 
which is just Canadian, but they speak French. Yeah. And then on my mom's side, it'd be, like, maybe Sweden or Germany. But, like, beyond that, like, I actually, like, I don't know the specific details of, like, if I would still have, like, family mm-hmm. in those places. I feel like it's really... I feel like some people expect you to know, like, where exactly you're from. Mm -hmm. And I remember in in elementary school, we'd go around and be like, well, I'm half this and half that. Mm -hmm. And some people would say that they're, like, 20% this or that. And I'd be like, well, you're lying. How do you know that? (laughs) (laughs) I know that, like, my my grandma on my mom's side is, like, super, super proud of being Norwegian. It's, like, a thing in the family. It's, like, we're Norwegian. It's, like you better believe it baby kind of thing <laughs> um we're also from the city of arendal which is where frozen is based off of so mm-hmm. no big deal very special. i may or may not be the ice queen but oh, that aside <laughs> <laughs> that um my uncle then did like a like the 23 and me or one of those things and it turned out we weren't as norwegian as we thought we were Ooh. we were a lot more german than we thought we were which my grandma was not happy about but i just think it's interesting because you were saying like people are like i'm half this and a quarter this and then like a third this and it's like how do you really know yeah. and like by now like so many generations removed it's just at least for me like i know there's like like i'm one sixteenth this and one sixteenth <laughs> that and like one eighth of this it's like there's just so many just mm-hmm. things mixed in that i almost feel like like i can't say like oh my ancestors are from sweden <laughs> or germany because yeah. they're also from like all these other places like we picked up a few along the way my ancestors are from queens yeah. <laughs> just like that's all i got <laughs> i feel like it's more symbolic now um or more symbolic for some people than it is for others mm-hmm. because if you're really into something like 23 and me then you are putting your dna out there to figure out you know all those certain percentages and fractions of what you are um and you may be disappointed like your grandma was mm-hmm. we talked about that in Professor Reedy's class about you know being disappointed in in where you're where you're from or finding out that something's different than what you've been practicing or believing Mm -hmm. so it's it's more symbolic than than ever like for me I it's not that I don't have an interest in figuring out exactly what I am or where I'm from but I really enjoy being you know all my mom's side of the family is Irish and my dad's Mm -hmm. side my dad's side of the family is Italian so I have this good mix of two different sort of heritages and Mm -hmm. you know it's I don't need to necessarily figure out every little part and I feel like it's just also such a big like it's part of people's identity too Mm -hmm. like if you grow up I'm not Italian but I I know a lot of Italian people and I know it's like they hold their Italian ancestry so close to their hearts almost as close as their sauce recipe yeah like Italians I feel like are very much like especially Italian Americans they're Mm -hmm. very strong in their beliefs of being Italian American. Uh-huh. It's like a specific breed. And it's funny because it's so different than Italians that live in Italy. Mm-hmm. Like like if you're an Italian American, you are very much American as well. Uh-huh. <laughs> um did you guys know that Alfredo is not something that people in Italy I really eat? I had heard that. I right? Yeah. Does that not blow your mind? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like who? That's the Italian American, right? (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's something I would like to know. Maybe not like percentages. Like, I don't need to know that. Like, I don't need to know if I'm like 23% Swedish, like, whatever. Um, But it'd be interesting to know, like, what countries or like what regions 
like I maybe came from or have ancestors from. I yeah. would be so interested to know, like, not necessarily just like, oh, like twenty three percent French or something like that. I would love to know, like, the lineage, like the stories of, like, mm-hmm. how did, like, the people that I'm directly descended from end up on Long Island, kind of thing. You yeah, know, that's so true. I feel like I was asking my grandfather the other day, you know how far back does your side of the family go because I know he was born here and I was like well what about your parents and he said his father was born in Italy but his mother wasn't Mm -hmm. I hope I'm getting that right but one of his parents was born in Italy and the other wasn't but both of their parents I think were born in Italy so it really doesn't go all that far back on my dad's side of the family which I think is pretty cool Mm -hmm. and I think that's why you know, there's been such a strong, like, passing down of Italian, even Italian-American traditions, mm-hmm. and, like, the way people carry themselves, too, but, yeah, like you said, it's it's cool that my aunt found out that we were from a specific region, mm-hmm. because one of my roommates in college was literally straight from Italy, but she was from, I think, the northern part, and my family's from the s- southern part, and it's super different, like, even here, like, yeah. North and South is so different. So that was cool to sort of compare to her and say, like, oh, well, this is where you live. And, like, do you know anything about this mm-hmm. region and stuff like that? But regardless, um, in speaking about tra- traditions, my mind sort of went to thinking about how we celebrate our ancestors. And what I came across in my research that I want to focus on was that, essentially. And my my mind also goes to Coco. <laughs> Stop. We were just talking about this. Yeah. <laughs> it, like, immediately goes to Coco if you think about, like, how people celebrate their ancestors. Because, yeah. uh-huh. like, for us, like, we don't, like, we have Halloween, but it's very different. Oh, and, yeah. It's, like, yeah. not the same. Yeah. There's no celebrating Coco. of ancestors. No. Right. And so as funny as it sounds, I learned a lot about, like, the Day of the Dead and even though it's a, an imaginary story, which I did look up to see if it was true. And it's not. It's imaginary. But Pixar usually does a really good job of researching to get the facts right mm-hmm. um, regarding other cultures. And so that got me thinking. And there are different, couple different versions of the Day of the Dead that different cultures celebrate. And just as a note, I'm in no way an expert on these traditions, and they are very deeply rooted and complex for each culture. So I tried my best to give sort of a good summary, just a quick sort of briefing on them. I'm definitely not going to get every single detail right. But the origin of what we call Halloween in America traces back to the Celtic Samhain Festival, and it was essentially a Celtic New Year celebrated, celebrated on October 31st to November 1st. And with this new year came the idea of starting fresh and much like other cultures' ideas about the start of another year, the Celts would have this bonfire to symbolize this new start and it was also meant to keep away evil spirits because Samhain was a day when the gates between Earth and the other world, which is the spirit world, was the least secure. So the gates are mm. the gates are kind of open. And the dead were able to cross over for the duration of the day and at the bonfire, people would wear masks to confuse the spirits on who was living and who was not, so that the angry spirits would not seek revenge or any grudge they had hmm. while they were living or on the living. And then in China, the Buddhists and Taoists celebrate 
the Hungry Ghost Festival, which is the 15th, 15th day of the seventh lunar month. And I looked it up because that seems very abstract to us because we don't necessarily go by like the lunar calendar. Mm-hmm. And this year it's going to be August 12th, 2022. Good to know. Yeah. So if you ever, uh, when it comes to August 12th, I want to say it's a Friday. Uh, you can look up the Hungry Ghost Festival, learn some more about it. All right. But I'll tell you that it's just one of many in China and other countries in Asia. So this is just sort of a little overview. And it celebrates ancestors like the others. And it's a part of an entire ghost month where it's believed spirits come out of the gates of hell to travel to our world, either to reunite with family or attack the living. Mm-hmm. And to avoid attacks with bad spirits, there are certain things people will avoid during the month like swimming, being alone at night, or moving into new houses. And on day 15 of this visit, the family will try to give up offerings such as food to the spirits after what they believe is a long, tiring journey to cross over into our world. And they also place photographs and ancestral tablets on a table and surround them with incense, which is really similar to the Day of the Dead in Mexico. I think you guys... By your reaction, have both seen Coco. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, in Coco, that's that's very similar, and we'll get to that in two seconds. Um, but some people may kneel in front of the ancestral tablets to recount their behaviors to their ancestors for judgment. And on the last day, when the gates of hell close again, they will light paper lanterns on the river to help guide their ancestors back after their visit. So I thought the part um, about... Um, recounting their behaviors was interesting and just basically like (laughs) confessing to your ancestors (laughs) and seeing you know what their judgment is on that um but then we have i don't want to butcher this but dia de los muertos translated as the day of the dead which is a mexican tradition celebrated on october 31st to november 2nd which is a joyful time of remembrance of the dead And the cultures that evolved into the Mexican culture we think of today believed that death was just a natural phase of life that shouldn't be consumed with grief and sadness, which I think is so sweet Mm. because we tend to focus on, like, people are gone and they're gone forever. Mm -hmm. Um, But they will fill decorated altars called the ofrenda with food and family photos to welcome spirits back into the world and people will wear a bright, intricately cut tissue paper called, again, I did not take Spanish in high school, I took French, but Me too. papel picado, which is pierced paper that flows in the wind to represent that life is not only vibrant, but fragile. And families often use this time to clean and decorate their ancestors' graves as well so that even their resting place looks festive for the holiday, which I also think is just so sweet that there's one day that you know cemeteries are completely decorated and cleaned mm-hmm. up um, and then there's also the image of the Calavera Katrina shout out to my <laughs> name, which translates to elegant skull and that's the skull that you know I'm positive you guys have seen in reference to oh that's like the decorated one yeah right? um so there's like the deathly makeup and it's all dressed up and a lot of people will dress up as her for festivals mm-hmm. and things that's like the the image of the skull that you guys have probably seen before and seen in coco yeah definitely yeah. 
So that's just three examples, and there's so many more that I came across that I wanted to talk about, but we'd be here forever going through every country <laughs> and every culture in the world because almost all of them have all almost all of them have a celebration to their ancestors. So I know that in classic American culture, Halloween is not really seen as a day to honor the dead. Um, as much as it's meant for fall fun, scary movies, and candy. But do you guys have any specific ways your family honors family members that have passed or your ancestors? I don't think there are, like, specific ways or, like, planned events, especially Mm -hmm. for, like, ancestors that have, like, long passed. Yeah. Um, But I think just through, like, stories or even, like, listening to, like, my grandparents talk about their parents and, like, their grandparents is just kind of how you, like keep like the memory of them alive it's just through like kind of spoken stories right yeah I don't I can't think of any like specific thing I feel like in in American culture in general there isn't like one specific day where you like honor the dead or those who have passed away but definitely like Emily said through like just kind of like talking about it and I feel like definitely at like bigger family events like Christmas or Thanksgiving like I know on like my dad's side every Thanksgiving we do this thing called the prayer circle where everybody has to line up in a big circle and you say what you're thankful for and it takes hours and the food is cold by the time it's over but um but we do it every year everyone like because everyone kind of groans about it but it's like no like you know what like my grandfather started this and like we're still doing it no matter how long it takes like we're getting through it because he would love that we're still doing it today kind of thing yeah, like there's, I feel like, like you guys said, there's nothing very set in stone, specific, certain day that we celebrate our ancestors, but we do it more so in certain little ways, mm-hmm. like the prayer circle. Yeah. <laughs> which I think is so sweet, or like recipes that like. Yeah, well, food's like such a big thing too. The right? meatball recipe and yeah. the sauce recipe. <laughs> <laughs> but that's pretty much all that I have. I had a lot of fun talking about family for this last episode i think that's like something super important to almost everybody and even if you're not blood related to what you consider your family they're still your family and it's a sweet Mm. relationship to have so that's pretty much it oh (laughs) that was a nice episode i liked it a lot it's a good one to end on it yeah it's a sweet one So for a full list of my sources, go to the link tree in our Instagram. Uh, We'd like to give a special thanks to Professor Reedy for editing and supporting this episode. Music is Find Your Way, found by Emily from the YouTube Free Music Library. Cover art was made by Katrina using Canva. Also, special thanks to Rynette Shafu, our producer and editor, and David DeRoche and the QU Podcast Studio for producing this podcast and making it possible. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and find us on social media as The Anthrophiles on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you for listening and we hope you join us next time.